think when we get tired, what we often do is we we escape. We run to the, you know, Facebook. We run to the internet. We run to YouTube. We run to empty things where we escape for a little while to get out of the pressure. But then when we're done doing that activity or playing Candy Crush for that, you know, 17th <laughs> round, we come out and we're still empty. We've just escaped. And so part of Sabbath renewal is doing activities that actually refresh and renew our soul so that when we go back to pick up our work, we are renewed from the inside and refreshed. We just haven't escaped. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 40 of the Spirituality for Ordinary People podcast. Thanks for listening today. I have a fantastic interview for you today with someone named Cheryl Wonderlich. Uh, I kind of ran across uh, a little bit of her writing, her her blog and uh, one of her books, and just reached out to her and asked if she would come on the podcast because I was really uh, hoping to have some good conversations about the topic that we address today, and that topic is Sabbath. I think this is one of the most important things we can be talking about uh, today. Uh, people, I mean, we always, it's kind of cliche now, like we just talk about, oh, we're so busy, we're such busy people, um, we need breaks, we need to take rest, but how do we actually do that? Um, and so we get into all of that in this interview. Uh, I'm actually recording this intro away from home. I'm in Vancouver right now, and uh, um, so it's going to be maybe a slightly shorter intro. But uh, I just wanted to maybe let you know a little bit about what I'm doing here. And uh, I'm actually back at my alma mater, which is uh, Vancouver School of Theology and St. Andrew's Hall. St. Andrew's Hall is the Presbyterian College uh, on the University of British Columbia campus. Just beautiful. Uh, yes, there's lots of rain out here right now. Um, but there was a nice break in the rain this afternoon and the sun actually came out, had a walk around campus and boy, it has changed. I actually graduated 15 years ago and, uh, have come back for one visit since then, but there are so many new buildings and everything. So it's, it's, it's really nice. Um, and it's nice to see all of the, uh, all of the same stuff as well, like the ocean and uh, the trees and all of that are obviously still kind of the same as when I was here with lots of new buildings. Um, yeah, if you, if I think I posted something on Instagram, it might have been on my personal feed, but if you want to ever uh, follow me on Instagram, you can do that. Um, you can just search for spirituality for ordinary people on there, um, or just search for Matthew David Bruff, I think might be the handle. Uh, in any case, you can head over to spiritualityforordinarypeople.com and that will get you like links to everything you need. And today's episode, uh, you can find the link to that as well and some show notes. So yeah, head over to that uh, website. Um, also, if you haven't done that already, you can sign up to get uh, a little guide, a little PDF that I created a while back that is just about... Uh, some tips, uh, six tips on helping you to stay connected with God um, more consistently. Just some things that I've done that I found helpful. Uh, obviously not the be-all and end-all of things, but you can go and get that as a free download. Um, you just put your email address in and then it'll get sent to you. Uh, even if you don't care about getting that guide, uh, sign up. If you want to, you can sign up for it anyway uh, and I will send you emails periodically just about uh, when new episodes are coming out. So if you're not a regular subscriber but but just want to get reminders in your email, 
um, that there's episodes um, or new things that I may be working on, like books or anything like that, um, just go and sign up for that guide and, and put your email address in, and I will send you emails. And uh, yeah, it's kind of like a little newsletter sort of thing. A lot of times it's just a notification that there's a new episode, but sometimes there's other stuff as well. So you can look forward to that. Uh, what else can I tell you uh, this uh, fine Tuesday that you are hopefully listening to this on or a little bit later? Um, I think maybe I will just leave it there for today and just uh, you can sit back and enjoy listening to this interview Today, I'm welcoming Cheryl Wunderlich on the podcast. Cheryl, it's so great to have you on the show today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to talking about rest. Yeah, yeah. Um, Cheryl's got uh, maybe a a budding ministry around this topic, but uh, primarily has a couple of uh, writing projects, uh, in particular, uh, a book of devotions called Sacred Rest finding the Sabbath in the everyday. So we're going to talk a bunch about Sabbath and rest uh, today. Um, and I, I kind of want to just start with what led you to start exploring the, this idea of resting or of sacred rest. Well, it really all started um, back when I was 42 and I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And um, I found it extremely difficult as a busy mom with three children and active in church and ministry uh, to be sort of forced on the sidelines because of chemotherapy treatments and surgery. Uh, My energy level was extremely low and I didn't even have enough energy to meet the basic needs of my family, let alone do all these things I was involved in. And uh, an older woman took me out to lunch one day and she said, Cheryl, the single most important thing that you can do right now, um, every day, it has to be non-negotiable is to rest. Hmm. And I went home thinking, yes, that's what I need to do. And I had an extremely difficult time dialing down. I, it was almost as bad as getting the chemo treatments. I just had an extremely difficult time. And so I turned to the word and I thought if the Bible says that God's given us everything we need for life and godliness, that, the Bible would have something to say to me about how to rest. So I started in Genesis and read through to Revelation and really began looking at what God says about rest and prayed and asked him to teach me how to rest, not only physically, but the mental, emotional, spiritual upheaval, the worry of cancer, the worry about my children, my family. Um, Even if I could, you know, stop and rest. My mind was constantly spinning. So kind of the spiritual aspect and physical aspect is what I really looked at. Hmm. So what did you, so what did you find through reading the, reading through the Bible kind of with that in mind? Well, it was very interesting. You know, we have the one word for rest and that appears in the scriptures, but there are many different Hebrew and Greek words, depending if you're in the New and the Old or the Old Testament, there are many different definitions or slants on rest. So I found some different categories of definitions, different kinds of rest. And I also realized as I began reading and even starting out in Genesis with the creation story that the way life runs and the way we run our lives is really far off track. And I was far off track personally from the way God designed us to live. And I realized that maybe God had something to speak to me about in how I was running my life and living and spending my time. Hmm. Yeah. I'm like, I wonder if, um, 
sometimes we don't like people will know uh, maybe about like the the commandment uh, to, mm-hmm. to keep sabbath um to rest um and uh but but i'm wondering if there like is there anything else in scripture that you encountered like you're saying you read, read from genesis all the way through to revelation was there anything that was surprising in in scripture other than kind of different words but um you know people know god rested on the seventh day mm-hmm. and they know the sabbath commandment and and then they know, and I'm busy, and I don't have time to do that. So, right. Um, <laughs> well, one of the things that was really fascinating to me was when you look at the creation story. You know, it says God said, and and He commanded, and the creation happened. It was so, and then it says that there was evening and morning the first day, and then we see that repeated again. The second day, God said it was so. There was evening and morning the second day. We see that repeated through the, the uh, creation story. And I looked at that and I thought, you know, God had the whole world to make and he didn't pull all nighters. He, <laughs> he wove into creation a resting time where creation happened and then nothing. And, and that happened every day. And then when he got to the end of, you know, we look, we look at the creation story, but when he got to the end, he actually created a whole day where nothing was to be done. And you look at the creation story, he created and he saw that it was good and he saw that it was good. And then when he created man, he saw it was very good. But then he gets to the seventh day and it says that he set that apart as holy. So when you look at how he created the world to operate and how he even created himself personally as God, he had a day set aside there where absolutely nothing happened. It was actually created with the intention of rest. And I thought, God doesn't need to rest. He doesn't get tired. He's all powerful. You know, we work, we drain ourselves. We need to regroup and rest and sleep to gather up energy to keep going the next day. But God doesn't need that. It didn't drain him. So I asked myself, why does God in his seven day of creations take that one day and set it aside as holy, something more special and different than the other days and do nothing himself on that day? And that he he's telling us something by the way he worked and operated. And this, of course, happens before sin enters the world and before the fall, before everything gets you know, turned on its ear because of sin. And so this is ideally how God operated and how he wants us to operate. So we learn something even by looking at the beginning at Genesis there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, there's so much in what you're saying too, because I think lots of people don't think, I don't know if I really have necessarily thought about the the pattern in the individual days where okay, God works, you know, in creation during the day. And then, and then God rests actually every day. Yes. Um, you know, uh, it's not just on the seventh day, but also we have to have, you know, we, we need our proper sleep. We need our proper rest on a daily basis and not just, I mean, it, it's, it can be hard enough to figure out how are we going to set aside one day for rest, but lots of us are just not getting the, the rest we need daily. Right. Um, and uh, and feel just uh hectic and and run off our feet um but i also wonder too like what was what might god be doing with that with that time of rest and whether that can give us clues for what we might do these are these are not at all the questions i sent you in advance so (laughs) you know you so i guess what i i sort of started at that point and i looked at life in the church I looked at my own life. I looked at life around me and I'm thinking, boy, this doesn't match up with 
the way God created things and the way he intended them to run. And my life was very busy and packed. And, you know, as a result, my family's life, my children's lives were busy and packed. And um, looking at church, I mean, you know, all many, many of us are, you know, don't have a problem with laziness. We have a problem with being overly busy. And I thought, you know, if God designed us to operate this way, you know, why are we not doing that? And even, you know, when I looked at the Ten Commandments, I thought we all know that we're not supposed to steal. We know that we're not supposed to commit adultery. We know that we're not supposed to, you know, murder or worship idol, you know. But we, and we, you know, would feel bad or guilty if we did one of those things, but we don't feel bad or guilty for not resting. I mean, rest is also a commandment there. And what I realize is that God, you know, the reason he has those commandments are to bless us. They're not to put restrictions on us, but, you know, he made that that Sabbath day and asked us to rest so that we would have renewal and refreshment, not only for ourselves, but it says in there for the animals to renew and refresh and the servants. It was for everyone to new and to renew and refresh because he knows as our maker what we need and we can't run 24 7 continuously without either harming ourselves or harming our faith or our spirituality or our connection with the lord um that he designed us to operate that way and when we don't you know we're going to pay a price for it mm-hmm. yeah I, I i'll just speak on behalf of pastors uh, as a pastor they uh Sometimes pastors are really bad at this too. Um, Everyone is. <laughs> what I've seen. Um, and I, I had a, I remember years ago, I had a conversation with, uh, there was a, I think it was at a conference or something like that. And, and um, one of the pastors was talking about how he was just run off his feet and the expectations that, that his congregation had, he felt had put on him for always being available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And, and he had a, lots of pastoral needs and the congregation was growing and that was great, but it was just, it was just overwhelming for him. And, uh, and he just really was saying, this is what my, like my elder board is saying. They, they expect this of me. And so I said, well, have you considered, you know, asking them if they feel okay about asking you to break one of the 10 commandments? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and he said, what are you talking about? I said, well, like, when are you having, are you taking a day off? Do you have a Sabbath? And, uh, and so his eyes like got really bright and he said, that's a great idea because he had sort of this, um, this combination of some of his leadership were kind of very rule oriented and wanted, you know, where, and, and they're, they're deep into, you know, this is what the Bible says and we have to follow the Bible. But at the same time, they were also asking so much of their pastor. Yeah. Um, and I said, well, why don't you say, well, you know, you got to pick one. <laughs> like you, you I'm, I, are you going to ask me to break the Sabbath commandment? Cause that's kind of what you're asking me to do. Right. Said, that's a great idea. I'm going to try that. So I never, I never found out what happened with that conversation, but, oh, but, well, but, it, it, but it, it's true. Like that's God commands it, not just, um, and we sort of forget that and, and don't feel bad for some reason. Um, and I, one of the things that I saw in the old Testament that also surprised me is that, when I think of the Old Testament and, you know, Israel and them being judged because and, you know, driven off the promised land and God's presence, leaving the temple and all of that, you know, it was because they were worshiping idols and they weren't obeying God. But it also says right along with that, there's two reasons that that God brought judgment. One is because of the idol worship and they they were forsaking God. But the second thing is that they broke the Sabbath. 
God took that very seriously. He said, you know, you, I'm going to drive you from the promised land so that the land can have its Sabbath. I commanded the land to have a Sabbath, you know, every seventh year and you have broken my commandment. And I thought, wow, you know, not only does God take our commitment to him seriously, but he takes the Sabbath commitment seriously. And I also saw intertwined with that is that when he asked them to take that seventh year, you know, off, like we're supposed to take the seventh day of the week off, um, you know, it takes great faith to do that because there was still work to be done, but God was saying, no, <laughs> you need to give that up and leave that. And so it, part of that is our faith. Do we really count on and trust God if he's commanding us to do something, if we follow through and leave some things undone, leave our work aside, leave our to-do list, is he going to be faithful enough to make that work out okay if we obey? Right. And it's written in the scripture, you know, that the seventh year, that they took off for their Sabbath, God made a bumper crop happen before that time, and it extended through after that time so that they were sustained when they took that Sabbath year of rest. And I thought, you know, are we really trusting God to sustain us or help life go on and not fall apart if we're not there working hard, holding it all together? So sometimes I think it's an issue of our faith and trust to actually step away from those things that we're actively doing and setting some boundaries to rest. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's similar story with uh, God providing manna in the wilderness and providing the the double amount the day before so that there's an amount for the Sabbath. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and it, it's funny because that story it goes into painstaking detail around what should happen around the Sabbath. Like, and yeah. we miss we think the story is primarily about oh this miraculous bread that appears and isn't God great for providing? Um, yes. But actually, the, the the bulk of that story is actually about what happens with the Sabbath and then the people who don't, who break it <laughs> and they and they get in trouble, right? So. Yes. Um, <laughs> Uh, that's that's kind of what that story is is about. Um, so it's it's kind of all over the Bible. That's why I, I'm glad you kind of started there because the Sabbath is really everywhere. Like when you look at you know even down to Jesus um, breaking the Sabbath, uh, supposedly breaking the Sabbath, mm-hmm. uh, and people being angry at what Jesus is doing, and then and then Jesus declaring um, the Sabbath is made for human beings. Yes. And that's where the other way around. Yes. That God, you know, God didn't make the, um, God, God made, didn't make man for the Sabbath. He made the Sabbath for man and it comes down to God giving us a gift. And it really is God saying, here's boundaries that I am setting for you. Because if, if I don't set these boundaries for you, you are going to work yourself into the ground. (laughs) It is really God's gift to us so that we don't work ourselves into the ground. And it's also God's gift for us to stop so that we're not so focused on life and our chores and the demands of life. And we can look up to him and remember that he is God and commune with him. And that is a blessing to commune with him. Mm -hmm. He made us to know him principally. And our busyness oftentimes is a stumbling block to knowing him. And so it is a blessing that, that he's asking us to take time to do nothing so that we can focus on you know, heavenly things, eternity, and who he is, and knowing who he is. You know, just like when we spend time with our children, um, 
it, it takes time, I guess, you know, there's this myth, I think, of quality time. We can't have quality time with our children in five minutes. Sometimes it takes a, you know, a bulk of time and you're playing with your child and then things spill out of their heart that's really on their mind. And, you know, you have a wonderful conversation, you connect with them. And I think the same is with God. He, we can't just shove him into a little box in our sermon on Sunday morning when we go to church and expect that we're going to have a vibrant, growing relationship with him. We need to have some time where we can commune in his presence, read his word, think about him, pray, and um, really enjoy our relationship with the Lord, not just mm-hmm. hit our Bible study and put it away or go to our church, but enjoying who God is and our relationship that he He made us for. That's, that's part of the gift he wants to give us in that Sabbath. Mm-hmm. I think as well, like kind of reflecting on your week or on your life and and taking a step back from that. Like I think about, again, kind of going back to God on the seventh day of creation and then each day of creation saying, saying, looking at creation and saying it is good. Yes. And then, and then waiting until the next day to start again. Um, we don't often stop to look back and, uh, and, and say, oh, yeah, what, like, look at the good stuff that happened this week. I mean, some lots of weeks there isn't a lot of good stuff. Yes. <laughs> um, but but there's all that you know. There's lots of people who keep gratitude journals, and there's and there's people mm-hmm. like there's there's even like research backing up that uh, that that actually is helpful and healthy for our psychology to be look back with a sense of thankfulness. Like, what are we thankful for? And that's in a sense what God did in that first week of creation. Yes. Um, and then taking an entire day to to rest from the work, but also be able to look back and say, Hey, we, you know, we, we got some good work done this week. Like, isn't that good? Um, so I, I think that reflective thing it's, it's, yes, it's about building relationship with God, but also it's about being able to see where God was with us throughout our work. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And part of that, you know, is, um, that Sabbath time too is worship where we, we pick mm-hmm. our eyes up from just the earthly grind and we look to God because if you, you know, if you carry rest through scripture, what are we going to be doing in the end? We're going to be resting in the presence of God forever, you know, in worship where we'll be face to face, we'll see him as he is. And so when I looked at rest, part of what I learned is that you know, life on earth is a little dress rehearsal for what we're going to be doing in the end, which is, you know, communing with God. And so when we take those small periods here where we stop our work and we we look up towards him, we're really preparing ourselves one day for when we'll be in his presence in heaven forever, where that fellowship won't be broken. But it, it is a is just remembering that that we're not made just for the here and now. We're not made just to complete our to-do list or, you know, to earn money or to care for our homes or to, you know, serve others. We're we're made for an eternal purpose. And I think when we don't rest, we 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 just get caught in the daily grind and we we don't look at the fact that we're here for more than that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I really love that because it, it kind of shows how huge a theme this is. Like it needs to be a huge theme in our lives, but it's such a huge theme in scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, so it talks about Sabbath, like scripture talks about Sabbath being, uh, Sabbath is used as an image for what is to come, right? Yeah. So God has prepared a Sabbath rest for his people. And that's talking about uh, the end of all things or heaven or, um, you know, what is, what is coming, what Jesus will eventually bring. Um, 
and uh, when when all things are reconciled. So Sabbath has used its image for that. So it's kind of th- interesting to think about. Well, what are you doing when you're when you're resting? It's kind of like, well, I'm I'm practicing heaven on earth a little bit. Yeah, you know, like that's yeah. Um, that's that's kind of what you're doing. Um, there's also kind of a middle piece that I think sometimes people forget about. Um, there's two like there's there's two times where the Sabbath commandment is given. So there's an Exodus, kind of the traditional mm-hmm. commandments, but then in Deuteronomy, um, there's a different rationale given for the Sabbath. The Exodus one, the rationale is primarily God rested on the seventh day. And so you shall rest, right. um, which we've talked about. But then in Deuteronomy, it's remember that you were slaves in Egypt mm-hmm. and now you're not right. Yeah. Um, so in other words, when you were slaves, you weren't allowed to rest. You had to work seven days a week and put in long days mm-hmm. um, and they, because you were forced to. Uh, so now, and, and the context of Deuteronomy is really like, don't, don't force others to work on the Sabbath either because yeah. you were forced to work. Yeah. And so I think that's a tougher one maybe for us to deal with a little bit in our culture mm-hmm. um, because that, because we're maybe more individual. So I, I don't know if you have any comments on that to kind of like what Deuteronomy says or this idea of um, release from slavery, if there's something about that. I don't know. Right. Well, I think, you know, part of that just, I think, ties into just our freedom in Christ. You know, um, the Old Testament laws were given and the people needed to follow those laws or, you know, the boom was lowered. God judged them if they didn't, you know, stay right. And, you know, God has when Christ came, he fulfilled that law. And so we're not, we're no longer under the slavery of the rule keeping of the law. We are now under grace. And so the law was fulfilled. So the reason that we would want to keep the law isn't because we're going to get judgment or we're going to get in trouble. It's out of a love that, you know, Christ died for us. He's given us a new heart. He's forgiven our sins. We are new creations. We're regenerated from the inside out. And so um, we want to keep those laws because we want to honor the Lord. We want to bring glory to him. We want to live for him. And in essence, God has, you know, taken us and freed us from that slavery. If we have that freedom in Christ, why would we willingly go back and put ourselves under that bondage again? And so we have choices about how we live and we have power from God to live in those new ways. And I think we, you know, people laud us for how busy we are. And when, you know, when someone calls and asks me to do something, I look at the calendar, practically there's a white space, you know, nothing's on there. So, okay, let's just slot it in, then I'll do it. Well, you know, God is telling us we need to not just look at the little slots on our calendar. We need to look at the bigger picture and how fast and how hard we're running. And if we are really literally just jumping from one thing to the next, the next to the next without regard to him and why we're here and his purposes and why he created us. Hmm. And that's one thing that I really began to realize is to try to think about there's work like your pastor friend is a perfect example that other people have given him to do and expectations that laid on him and demands on his time. And to look at, okay, this is what other people might expect. This is maybe what I expect of myself, but what is the work that God has given me to do? And I think about Christ, you know, 
Christ said that he came to do the Father's will, that he spoke the words the Father gave him, that he did the things the Father asked him to do, and he was on track doing the Father's work the Father's way. And I think sometimes we do our work our way, or we do other people's work the way that they want us to do, and we forget you know, the ultimate person we're serving when we work is God. And sometimes we have far greater expectations we place on ourselves or that we allow others to place on us when we are really not doing the work the Father gave us. We are sort of slaves or in bondage to expectations of ourselves, perfectionism, need to control all sorts of things. And so I think it's good to back up a little bit and evaluate, is this the work the Father gave me? Or these things that maybe I've heaped on myself and created more busyness, maybe I'm doing more than what God would have me do. Yeah, um, this is kind of getting into like, what, what might we be able to do? Like, how can we, how can we change our lives from from being too busy to rest towards keeping Sabbath. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I always go back to and that made a profound impact on me was looking at Christ and how he lived. And of course he is God, but he's also fully man. And he went away to quiet, desolate places oftentimes to pray and connect with God. And when he did that, the work was not done when he went away to do that. There were still sick people to heal. There were still a multitude of needs pressing upon him. In fact, the reason that he went away to quiet, desolate places because the crowds were pressing in and he needed to connect with the Father. And we see him doing that sometimes right before God uses him in an incredible way, or we also see him doing that right after an incredible miracle happens and he's drained. And I thought, if Christ got away from the crowds and he's God (laughs) and he needed to do that and the work wasn't all done when he went and got away, surely we need to do the same thing. If we wait until all our work is done before we sit down and rest or before we make that Sabbath time to be separated just to the Lord and put everything aside, we'll never do it because our work is never done. And even when Christ died and rose again, there was still a lot of work that wasn't finished, but he said from the cross, it is finished because he completed the work the father gave him. And so I think one thing that we can do practically in our Sabbath is to sit down and look at our calendar, look at our schedule, look at the commitments we've made and what's on there and ask ourselves, is this work the Father's given me? Is this is this necessary? Are these, you know, expectations or um, things that really need to be there and sort of pare back that schedule. The other thing, um, we're really good at setting priorities, but Kevin DeYoung in his book, um, Crazy Busy, he talks about setting posteriorities, which are posterior, the things that you put on the bottom of the to-do list that you intentionally are not going to do. And I've never gotten a put a to-do list during the day together and put things on there that I wasn't going to do. But I think we need to start thinking about what things just do I not really need to do and put them on there and leave those things off. So that's a a practical way that we can look at our schedule. The other practical thing that God taught me through this resting process is he talks about 
pruning our lives. And when he wants to make us more fruitful, he prunes, which means we look at our schedule and to be more fruitful, we juggle to see what we can put in. And God says the way that a person is really fruitful is to look at the schedule and see what I can take out. What he prunes us, he takes things out so that we can even be more fruitful. So I think we have to really look at saying no to some things and intentionally cutting out even some good things so that we can be more fruitful in other areas. Mm-hmm. And the other practical thing that a friend once asked me is she asked me, you know, Cheryl, when, when I was particularly burned out and tired and exhausted, and I knew I needed to regroup. And she asked me, she said, Cheryl, what delights your soul? And I, I thought and thought about that. And I thought, I haven't even thought about the state of my soul in months. <laughs> um, and I really, it really pressed me. I thought, what delights my soul? What really refreshes me? And one thing that, that delights my soul is to be outside and to be in nature. And she said, Cheryl, part of your Sabbath, part of your rest needs to be putting yourselves in situations where your soul can delight And that may be different things. You know, for someone, it may be watching a football game. (laughs) For someone, it may be going out on a long run. For someone, it may be just sitting on their back porch with a cold lemonade and looking up at the clouds. I laying, you know, going and laying on the beach for a while. I think we, we think of Sabbath rest in terms of something that is a spiritual discipline that we're doing. But part of Sabbath rest is just enjoying the good that God gave us in life, the blessings in his creation. So for me, a Sabbath rest period might be going kayaking on my friend's lake because it renews and refreshes my soul. Mm-hmm. And I think when we get tired, what we often do is we we escape. We run to the, you know, Facebook, we run to the internet, we run to YouTube, we run to empty things where we escape for a little while to get out of the pressure. But then when we're done doing that activity or playing Candy Crush for that, you know, 17th (laughs) round, we come out and we're still empty. We've just escaped. And so part of Sabbath renewal is doing activities that actually refresh and renew our soul so that when we go back to pick up our work, we are renewed from the inside and refreshed. We just haven't escaped. Sure. Yeah. Like I, like I would wonder whether like binge watching on Netflix renews our souls too much. Um, like, <laughs> exactly. We just, like my wife and I just watched the crown very quickly and, uh, you know, watched a bunch of episodes and, and we loved it. So yes, it's okay. Like, I think it's fine. Like, and I'm on Facebook and things like that, but, but yeah. I think taking a step back and saying, is this actually what brings me joy? Is this actually what renews my soul or delights my soul well yeah you know I I love watching hockey Mm -hmm. and yeah you know if I would but but if I had to make a choice between you know going to the beach and watching the hockey game I I might choose the hockey game I don't know like Mm -hmm. so I but I think really actually asking that question and figuring that out like I think is is really important um, like understanding the nature of what your Sabbath or what your rest looks like, yes. I think is really, really important because you might think, oh, yeah, I've managed to book off my afternoon or even a full day. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have a plan, I think for what to do with that day, yes. it, it might not actually 
be as helpful as, as you might think it's going to be. Right. Um, that's been my experience anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, other things just start to intrude and you start to see, oh yeah, I could just fix this around the house or I could yeah. just, and, and we, and we think, well, I'm not at my job, so I'm not, so I'm not working. So I've got, I have my day off or we pack our days off with a whole bunch of other things that we have to get done. Yes, exactly. So if we're not at work, then we're actually working at home to get that to-do list done. And, you know, the thing that, I mean, God commands that Sabbath so that we can reconnect with him. So there is a component of physical rest. There is a component of renewal and refreshment, but that all, you know, that all is lending toward a connection with him. And so, you know, knowing God and, and really, um, being able to commune with him is something that I think at the beginning takes some effort. But as we learn how to carve out quiet moments where we sit and maybe we think about a scripture or we we look at the ways that he's blessed us and been at work in our lives, or we looked at the way that, you know, maybe a coincidence happened during the day, but we know that that was God's hand. And um, we look at his word even, and, you know, that's the way he talks to us in his word, or even just taking time to talk to him. It's part of that Sabbath is building a relationship with God. And that's why it's so damaging to us and our faith when we're busy, busy, busy. And we can even be busy serving in the church and serving others and doing things is that, we lose that connection with God and then we lose the promptings of his spirit. We lose um, just feeling his love and his tenderness towards us. We lose maybe looking at our lives and reflecting on sin and confessing sin. And so we end up being really weak believers who are not that useful to the Lord because we're distracted or we're stressed out or we're, we're just run down. And so, um, part of our Sabbath rest, I think, does need to be intentional so that we are having an opportunity. Watching the football game is great and going to the beach is great, but then it's also allowing our minds to think and reflect back on who God is, his extraordinary nature, his love for us, you know, who we are as believers. That is really our heaven on earth. And so, you know, creating that intimacy with God really, I think, is at the foundation of rest and where we really want to arrive in the end. And if we're too busy to stop or think or shoehorn him in without being intentional, I think that relationship with God suffers. And then we as believers lose out on all those fruits of the spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control, all of those blessings. I mean, God wants to bless us by connecting with us. And so sometimes we put lesser things in there over our connection with God, which, you know, when we look at it, it's like, why would we even think of doing that? But it's easy to slip into. Mm -hmm. I think this is like, I think a helpful thing can be to attach your uh, some of your other Sabbath practice to your weekly worship practice. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, and that's kind of what has been the intention from the, from the beginning. Um, harder for pastors. I know there's pastors who listen to this, um, but uh, so we've got to find some other ways to do that. Um, but for people who say are going to church on Sunday morning, then attach, you know, lunch and then, you know, three hours in the afternoon for something because then you've you've set aside that time with God and with other people and had community and it doesn't really have to be that hard sometimes um I I know some people don't like planning and don't like so they're like well let's 
it's supposed to be Sabbath, so it's, there's spontaneity. But the problem with not planning is we'll start to fill it with stuff that isn't really going to be helpful. So it can be like I had a conversation with um, our young adult group last year around Sabbath, and it was one of the things they wanted to hear about the most, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I suggested to them, because they were kind of pushing back on, like our whole life is scheduled. We've got yes. college classes. We've got jobs. Uh, we have our groups of friends who are doing things all the time and we're just run off our feet. So we don't want to schedule this. We don't want to schedule rest. And I said, well, you know what, like find, figure out when you've got two and a half hours or three hours in your week. Mm -hmm. And and all I mean by scheduling is decide, you know, me and my boyfriend are going to the park and we're taking a Bible and a Frisbee (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and, and, and we're going for three hours and maybe all you do is walk around and talk yes. and feel guilty about not opening the bible like yes maybe you stop for five minutes and read a bit of scripture or do you take some other book you're reading you know like yes. but, but it doesn't have to be this elaborate no thing it, it can just be getting out of your routine and exactly. doing something um easy and, and cheap or free. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, one of the things that I, I have written in my Bible study is that I rest when I run. And that sounds so yeah. crazy. Yeah. But I look forward to that running time because I don't put, you know, I don't have a, an, you know, I don't listen to music. And, and I usually will try before I run to have my quiet time or read something in scripture. And then, so their phones aren't bothering me. I'm not sitting down at my desk, you know, thinking, oh my gosh, I got to run downstairs and throw in a load of laundry. And then I see the dust on the desk, like, oh, I better dust that. Oh no, I got to, you know, I got to put this on my to-do list. I got to put them, you know, I got to get this from the grocery store. I'm on that run. I'm away from the house. Nobody yeah. can bother me. Nobody can interrupt me. And during that running time, I just think about God. Sometimes I just wander and think about his character. I look at, you know, the leaves changing on the trees and it reminds me of God's faithfulness in season and out of season. I just sort of let my mind wander towards the things of God, wander toward maybe the scripture that I read before I went on that run. And and then I just, you know, look at my life sometimes. If I'm worried, I, I unload and I say, Lord, these things are on my mind. I, I just want to rest in your presence right now. And even sometimes during that run, I'll say, Lord, you know, if you were right here with me, what would you say? And, and that may sound unbiblical or voodoo. I'm not expecting a voice to come out of the sky, but it's just an opportunity for me to quiet myself. And then God sometimes will impress upon me, boy, you are so busy or look at how stressed out you are, or you need to slow down or these five things that you're planning to do after your run is ridiculous. Like take some (laughs) things out. I mean, there's just some very practical things that will come to mind as I'm running, but that's sort of a a scheduled in opportunity that I'm intentional about sort of thinking about God and connecting with God in a special way. And to me, that's a Sabbath moment. And I don't think we have to, we're not under the law. We don't have to take a whole day where we rigidly sit in a chair, but we need to build in these moments of quietness that are intentional, where we connect with God along the way, and we connect with other people, and we just enjoy the good gift that he's given us. And I think God's made creation for our enjoyment. He, he's made other people for our enjoyment. He's made food and wonderful things for our enjoyment. We are not here just to work all the time. We are also here to enjoy what God's given us and enjoy him and our relationship with him. Because mm-hmm. ultimately we're going to be in his presence forever. We want to cultivate that now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think um, 
this idea of being intentional or planning, um, it's just reminding me that, that that actually has roots like in the Jewish tradition and, and into Christianity historically mm-hmm. as well. Um, but there used to be a day of preparation and, and Jews still practice the day of preparation for the Sabbath because there are laws that govern, you know, what can and can't be done on the Sabbath. And, and we're talking about freedom in Christ. We have that freedom and that's a gift, but it's also, it can make things trickier. Like if you've got some authority just telling you, well, here's what you can and can't do. And here's the day you have to take off. Well, you just follow that. Yes. And then you, <laughs> you know, that, that can make things easier sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I, I prefer having the freedom. I love that. Um, but the day of preparation, I think was probably really helpful yeah. Um, because you had to make sure that your house was cleaned the day before because you can't can't do any cleaning on the Sabbath. You have to make sure that meals were pretty much ready to go. Yes. Um, laundry had to be done. Like you you had to get all that done the day before so that you yeah. could rest on the on the next day. Mm-hmm. Um so I we did um a couple of years ago uh during Lent, we did different uh kind of spiritual practice challenges for each week in Lent and, and Sabbath was one of them. Mm. So what we did was we actually said, okay, like try to figure out what what is really what is really the work that you're gonna cease from. Yeah. So um and, and like don't do any housework, don't try like if you're gonna and, and don't spend money as well. So you can't go out for a meal. Because that's sort of saying, well, someone else can work, but I'm yes. not going to. Um, <laughs> and so, so you have to like, you know, as best you can prepare meals in advance. Some people might feel restful by cooking, so okay. Yeah. Um, but like, try to figure out what all the things you're not going to do, and then use the day before to make sure that things are done, so that you can actually do that on that yes. day. And yes. it's super hard for people. Um, but it's kind of a neat, interesting thing to do. And I, we never recommended saying, try to do this every week, but just to give you a picture of what that Mm -hmm. might be like, and then can you learn something from that to be able to take that into your regular weekly routine? And it's kind of a neat, a neat uh, thing to try anyway. So maybe there's someone out there listening who wants to try and take a a true day of rest from everything. Well, I have a, you know, there's a young gal who I admire so much and she said, and she's in college and she said that she works really hard, you know, Monday through Saturday to get her work done on Sunday. She tries really hard not to study and to honor God by keeping that Sabbath. And, you know, she, she is uh, a biomedical engineer, so she's got a heavy course load. And she's pre-med, so she's not only engineering and pre-med, she's just applied to medical school, but she has made that commitment. And I do believe that God meets us and honors our commitment to do that. And, you know, that's why I say it takes great faith to rest because you're saying, number one, that I believe God is so sovereign and in control of things that if I let go of my hands on things that I think, you know, are going to fall apart, if I'm not in there controlling them, you're trusting that God's going to come through for you. Well, of course we should trust him to do that. Um, But it really does take faith because you are, letting important things let's no doubt there are important things that we are not tending to in order to do something better and that's what we have to understand that we are gaining something better by letting go of worldly things to put our focus on spiritual things we are letting go of the here and now to have an eye towards eternity and we're really letting ourselves have some time to encounter god who made us for relationship with him and so those things are 
are eternal and the things that we feel we can't let go are for the here and now and are going to pass away. And so part of our Sabbath is a lesson in remembering that we're here for more than this life, that God has built eternity into us and we're heading somewhere even better. And I think we forget that unless we pause and take some of those Sabbaths. In my book, you know, it's finding the Sabbath in the everyday. And I really love, I didn't pick that title. The publisher did that, but that really resonated with me because we don't, you know, we're not under the law that we have to set a whole day aside, but if we can find moments where we can connect with God and stop what we're doing a little bit every day and find those resting times with him, we are going to be more centered. We're going to be more patient. We're going to be more filled with the spirit and we're going to be more on track with what God has for our lives. And I, you know, having had cancer and having been forced to rest against my will, I did not want to do it. That year and those years of having to rest because of treatments really helped me to recalibrate my life. And now I don't want to go without those times because I enjoy them and I see how much better everything else in my life runs when I have that strong relationship with the Lord and the strong connection first. Mm -hmm. And when I don't, I'm sort of running willy-nilly all over the place. So it's almost the opposite. When we stop and take time to rest, it really orders us on the inside and it orders what we're doing to make it even more efficient and effective than if we skip the rest and just run willy-nilly after the next thing that's coming at us. And God wants us to know that and to live that way intentionally. And it really does order our lives in a way that doesn't happen when we don't have the rest. So when I'm really pressed for time, I force myself to take that time out because I know that the busyness and the pressure and the demands are going to be handled much better if I take that time out than if I just rush into it. So other than, uh, other than running, what does, uh, what is, what does it look like for you? to what do, so, you, what do you do with your time I do sometimes go and intentionally put everything aside and take that kayak on my friend's lake okay. um, that is part of the way that I rest I also um, set aside one afternoon and I'm telling you every time it comes I tell myself there's a million reasons why I can't do it and I shouldn't but usually it's on Thursday afternoons I will take an hour or two and that will be time that I do not answer the phone. I don't do anything else. And I make that time as a time to meet with the Lord and pray. And just um, maybe I sing some worship songs to myself, or I go into my room, or I read some scripture, or I pray, you know, I pray for my children and my family and things that are just on my mind. Um, That's kind of a little prayer and fasting time. I give up my lunch that day that I'd normally be eating. And I, you know, go and set that um, time aside with the Lord. And it just reminds, me that I'm weak and I'm fragile and I need God and it it puts some intentionality into my life that I really focus on spiritual things so that's a little bit part of my Sabbath on Sunday afternoons I really try hard when we get home from church to not do laundry or do other things, but I will sit and snuggle with my daughter or um, my husband loves to nap in the afternoon I'm not a napper but <laughs> um, I I am. I'm, with, I'm with your I'm with your husband. I'm an actor. I will sit down and read a book or I'll knit or um, just have that time when I know that I don't have to be doing other things that are serving others or taking care of things. So those are just a few little things that I do. That's great. 
Um, can I ask too about kind of the rest of your story? Like this kind of the, the prompting to rest was really kind of beyond you, right? It was, it was Forced. <laughs> a, a cancer diagnosis. Um, but then, but then what's happened? You're, are you in remission? Are you? So um, when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, um, I've been breast cancer free. I had surgery and chemo for that. And um, I've been breast cancer free for about 11 years. Wow. Five years after the breast cancer diagnosis, I was diagnosed with a third kind of cancer, a sarcoma, um, which is a rare cancer of the soft tissue that they mm. think probably was caused from all the treatments I had when I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's disease in college. So go figure all of that. But, you know, I I was really mad at God because I thought, you know, I've studied rest. I've learned to rest from the breast cancer. I've changed my lifestyle. And now you're forcing me like to uproot my life and rest again, five years later. Like I thought I got this. I thought I learned what you had for me. And so I really, and I was shocked that a person could even have a third different kind of cancer. It never even occurred to me, but um, I had to drive 200 miles round trip for radiation treatments for six weeks every single day. And so my life was taken up with that and I was exhausted when I came home. So I had to revisit this whole idea of rest again. And, um, and you know, what God really taught me in that period is that we often, and so this is what I address in my book a little bit, is about, you know, that verse, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon um, you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Well, looking at that, I, I just realized that one of the key principles for rest is getting yoked in with God. Mm -hmm. And here I had this cancer thing that I couldn't handle on my own. And God was saying, look, you know, I know this is not the path you want to go. I know this is not the journey you want to be on. But if you cooperate with me, so to speak, get yoked with me in this hard thing that you feel like you can't hold up under and you can't do, you are getting joined up to all the resources of heaven and earth that I have, and we will pull that load together. And no matter what it is that I'm asking you to go through, or I'm asking you to stand under, if you yoke with me and give up control and say yes to the journey we're going on, I will give you rest, not only physical rest, but rest for your soul. And so I said yes to God and I got yoked in with him and I said, okay, I'm going to go on this journey. Well, out of this journey came this book and this devotional. Out of the journey came this Bible study. Out of the journey really, you know, that I didn't want to go on, that I thought I couldn't handle, God has sort of launched a whole ministry for me. And he's given me a message that he's given me an opportunity to speak about rest and how he can bear us up and help us bear the burden of getting through daily life when we can't handle it. He's there if we surrender and say yes to him. And so, um, Part of my rest story is saying yes to God and surrendering to, you know, burdens that I didn't think that I could bear on my own. Of course, I couldn't. But with him, he's allowed me not only to go through those burdens, not only to emerge victorious, but to make me more fruitful in my life because I said yes to him. And so I am officially done with my sarcoma checkups. I've been five years cancer free. I got my walking papers. So the thing that keeps coming back is breast cancer treatments and they'll be there for the rest of my life and monitoring all the gunk that can happen in my body because of the treatments. But 
it does keep me focused on God. It does keep me resting. It keeps me living, you know, intentionally. If my life's going to be short and cancer is going to come back and I don't have all the years and days that I thought, I want to live them intentionally. And that's sort of the message is that we don't have to have cancer to learn to live intentionally. (laughs) We don't have to take the, you know, go on the field trip that God took me on, but you can, you sort of listen and learn that God doesn't need to do a big thing to get our attention. He can get our attention today by knowing that we need to rest, knowing that we need to come to him, knowing that our life on this earth is meant for purposes he established and living for those instead of our own um, and building rest into that and that communion with God. I think we're going to have a a much less demanding schedule and a much more stress, you know, low stress. We're not going to have a stress-free life, but a lower stress life if we're going through life hooked with him and communing with him along the way, which is really what the Sabbath is about. Mm, yeah. I, that's such a great verse that you bring up um, where Jesus uh, says, come to me and I will give you rest. Yes. Um, because I think like a, even a lot of our conversation today has kind of been about, well, you know, what can we do in order to be able to rest <laughs> yes. so that we can build that relationship with God? But actually, it's kind of like, well, in, in a lot of ways, God is going to take care of that. Like, you need to go to Jesus and Jesus will give you rest. Yes, exactly. So, yeah. So, yeah, we need to clear some of that stuff out of the way so that we can rest. They kind of mutually feed one another, right? Yes, Such exactly. A deep, topic there's so much here um i'm so glad that i was able to talk to you and and we've been talking a long time um so uh and i know that uh, the people listening today will be blessed by what you've shared and uh the courage that you have also the positivity that you bring um and the joy that is clearly in the message that you're sharing with people um so thank you so much well, thank you for having me and thank you for allowing me to talk about a topic near and dear to my heart and a topic that God forced me to learn, but has just been a huge benefit. So thank you for the opportunity. It's been wonderful to get to know you and blessings to you and your podcast ministry and your church congregation in Canada there. Um, I just pray the Lord blesses what you're doing. Thank you. Thanks, Cheryl.